food and information is the exact same thing. And then now we're living in an information age where it's just buffet style and no one really knows their dietary requirements. So they go on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or any of the social medias and scroll and scroll and scroll. And they're endlessly scrolling because they're hungry. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Each week, not only will you learn nutrition and stress management habits, you'll also learn about the power of food to enhance your mental and physical well-being and how to overcome your battles with living a healthier lifestyle. The secret to eating healthier, improving your mood, and increasing your energy are not only about what you put in your stomach, it's also about what's going on in your brain. So congratulations on showing up. I promise to support you on your health journey with every single episode. Let's begin. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist Trudy Stone, and I'm so grateful that you tuned in today. Today on the show, we have a special guest, Jazz Moon. Jazz uses the pulse of purpose to express life in all its forms. She shares her gifts as a writer, speaker, atmospheric music producer, and human design guide to awaken and align you to your why. In this episode, Jazz talks about the energy of fasting, and it's not what you think, so I want you to keep an open mind in this episode. In a world where we're always on and always consuming, she explains what energy fasting is and why it's important. She also talked about human design and how it plays into the energy of fasting. This was a very fascinating episode where I learned some things about myself as well and the way in which I show up in the world. And I'm sure you're going to learn a little bit more about yourself in this episode as well. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Mind Your Body show, Jazz Moon. How are you? I'm so good. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I am so glad to have you here. Um, we got to chatting a little bit before I hit record and I was explaining to Jazz that I found her on Instagram. She interrupted my scroll big time and she's <laughs> going to be interrupting yours as well because I'm sure as soon as you hear this, uh, this episode, you're going to be hopping over to Instagram and checking mm -hmm. her out. Yeah. Um, but Jazz, first of all, if someone hasn't heard about you, if this is their first time meeting you, can you just give us a little bit of a background about what you do and how you how you serve people? Yeah, so I'm my service is constantly in transition and constantly mutating, constantly changing because I, as a human being, as a divine being, is constantly changing and moving. So I never subscribe to a I do this and I help these types of people. I am a presence of remembrance for all people for whatever they need at that time. Mm -hmm. I find that people only find me when they need a very specific type of disruption to their normal patterning. And I don't only speak on one thing. I speak on the multidimensionality of our humanity and how we came here to express as individualized beings. So honestly, I, maybe in, in, one word I would probably say I'm a provoker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll go with that. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So Jazz, when I found you, I found your Instagram live where you were talking about all things energy fasting, and I was completely mm. fascinated by the concept. So can you explain to us what energy fasting is? 
Yes. So energy fasting is a theory that came to me through, um, through my study with human design. And if you don't know or aren't familiar with human design, human design is very similar to astrology typing system, a natal birth typing system. And essentially what it does is that it, uh, it gives you a body graph that shows you your individualized energetics, how you're designed to make decisions, move through the world, communicate, um, so many things, how you're designed to eat, take in information, and best environments to live in. And this is all based off of your date of birth, time of birth, place of birth. So it's, it's individualized in that way. And it, it came to existence in 1983 through a man now named Ra-Uruhu. And uh, he had this mystical experience where he basically channeled this entire system that connects multiple other ancient systems like the Kabbalah, Tree of Life, the I Ching, astrology, et cetera, et cetera. So when you put your information into any type of human design uh, graphic formulator, you're going to get all these shapes and lines and colors and numbers and decimals and all these different things. And human design is such a layered system. But through my studies of specifically the variables, which are the top arrows, I'm sorry, which are the four arrows in the top part of your body graph. Um, I just had this realization that I really feel like we are all malnourished. Our brains are malnourished. And further went on to read The Body Keeps a Score, the book The Body Keeps a Score. And the doctor and author talks about how we are, well, he's specifically talking about trauma people with trauma, but I don't know anyone who doesn't have trauma. So I would just say all of us. Um, he talks about how the brain is really the battery pack for formulating creative solutions to problems. But because our imagination has been stifled so early on, it can't create new solutions. So it just keeps trying to do the same thing in new experiences. Hmm. And so that's whenever we stop evolving and growing, can't transform, can't move forward. So all of this, you know, all of all of my reading, all of my sitting, all of my thinking, all of my pensiveness, all led me to this thought that, oh my gosh, have I ever been nourished? Not physically nourished. Has my brain and body ever been its design nourished? And in human design, I am a second color. And basically, that means that I'm here to be very selective about what I take in, the foods I take in, physical foods and information, because we all know that information is a type of dietary food. It, yes. it, it, it shows our brain how to grow in which direction we commune with, with other people. So it, food and information is the exact same thing. And then now we're living in an information age where it's just buffet style and no one really knows their dietary requirements. So they go on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube or any of the social medias and scroll and scroll and scroll. And they're endlessly scrolling because they're hungry. They're looking for something that will nourish and satiate their brain activity, their body digestion, what will support them to grow. And in traditional human design, um, it's really all about the environment, which is so funny because the system was channeled for children. For It was channeled to support children and, and the next generation of children. 
the founder, Ra, realized that actually the adults that want to use human design, they have to go through what he called a deconditioning process. Hmm. And through that deconditioning process, it's almost like you can't just start where you could have started when you were a baby. You kind of have to go back a little bit and relearn so many things about your energy and the way that it works. Hmm. So traditionally, human design variables begins, the transformation begins in environment. But I was like, let's take it a step back and begin with food, begin with nourishment, because I have felt so malnourished by the information that I've taken in because I wasn't selective. My design is to be incredibly selective about the type of information from whom, from which platforms, which is one of the reasons why I don't follow anyone on Instagram. So it's, it has completely blown me open and to see it shared in intimate spaces, just just the things that it has done for people, the realizations that people have gotten because they're no longer following a one, two, three step formula from someone else. Mm. Oh, I love that. Okay. So can we talk a little bit about why energy fasting is important then? Is it because we're all feeling like malnourished essentially? Absolutely. It's so important because, okay. I mean, there's so many reasons why it's important, but we all have this feeling of always needing to take control of situations, Mm -hmm. right? We don't trust that our body knows the answer or can compute an answer for a new or old experience. And so what we do out of that control, just a direct result is that we try to position ourselves in similar experiences. Mm. We never want to experience something new. Because new means an unknown yeah. and unknown means I haven't gotten the answer yet. Yeah. It's right. unfamiliar. Uncomfortable. So yeah. we, exactly. It's uncomfortable. So we make friends with the same people. We date the same kind of partners. We have the same kind of jobs or read the same kind of books. We listen to, to the same kind of voices because that our brain is telling us that if we continue on that path, we will always have a solution to whatever erupts in that environment. Mm-hmm. With energy fasting, it supports, invites you, and invites you into a practice of bringing more of yourself online. And I don't mean online as in like on the internet. I'm saying online as in into life. Right. Because the part of you that's listening right now is the part of you that has always listened. Mm. There's nothing new that's going to come from this place. But the part of you that doesn't know the part of you that's listening with a beginner's mind, so to speak, when we've all heard that, you know, start something with a beginner's mind. How often do we abandon that? As soon as maybe three hours into learning something, we're like, oh, I'm not a beginner anymore. I'm definitely not a beginner. It's like, you've only been reading this book for three hours. Like how, how much could you possibly know? Right. So energy fasting is really asking you to drop all of what you think you are, all of the ways that you think you should nourish yourself the books you think you should read. Because again, we have FOMO. It's like, oh my God, if I don't read Untethered Soul, I will never be spiritual. It's like, maybe you already know everything that's already in that book based off of the design that you carry, right. you know? So when we took our, we, we took a couple of people through an energy and intimate energy fasting experience. And I mean, literally life-changing. I, th- I truly believe everyone is so deeply wise. They just have never been given the opportunity to share their wisdom, to share what's inside because it's new. 
-hmm. It's unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. If they share something that they've never shared in front of their parents or their friends or their partner or their kids, they're facing rejection. They're facing abandonment. They're facing being alone and loneliness, you know, so many different things. But when they have the safe space to kind of curate this experience, the things that were coming out, every single thing, quotable, everything, Instagrammable, everything, Pinterestable, everything, like just normal people, people that wouldn't say like, oh, I'm a philosopher or, you know, I'm a thinker or I'm a coach or just people just moms with kids. And I'm like, these are the things that are trapped inside of you that are just waiting to be expressed out loud. Mm. And we have this tight grip on our expression. We have this tight grip on our creativity because we don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a wild card. Right. Like if if someone just gave you, you know, a paintbrush with some colors and they told you to paint anything, m- the majority of people would have anxiety, panic attacks because they don't want to get it wrong. Right. So we're already living in this world where we believe that our expression is inherently wrong. And so we do everything we can to manage and control that. And energy fasting is a complete opposite of that. Because when you nourish the brain and the digestive system, I mean, you're going to be shocked by the things that come out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you're so right, Jazz. And, you know, I share this on my podcast. I took a break from my podcast for a couple months. And that was because Mm. I knew I was approaching burnout and I knew I had to stop and just kind of collect myself. And I was going to be no good to my clients or anybody else in my community if I didn't take care of myself first. I was Mm. in this energy of when you talk about like, you know, being in control, like I was like a pusher, like constantly just like pushing everything, pushing everything. And it was only when I let go, I felt Mm. so much more creative. I felt so much more aligned. Um, ideas came to me easily. Projects came to me a lot more easily rather than me going out there and pushing for things to happen. Things Mm. were just falling in my lap. And I was so afraid to take that break and to take that time because I was so busy. But I found that when I actually did it, it was like the universe just rewarded me by just bringing everything to me that I was trying so hard to push to try to bring into Mm. my life. So it was, it was really odd for me. And I was like, huh, I was like, okay, so this is a sign. I need to do more of this clearly. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's our natural state. Our natural state is creation, creation Mm -hmm. state. And creation state is really the only state of homeostasis within the body that allows these ideas to freely flow. And they're not even ideas of genius because everyone's a genius. Yeah. Like genius doesn't have a hierarchical system. Genius is just an innate identity that everyone carries. Mm -hmm. But then we think, oh, some people have these great ideas and my ideas aren't that great. And it's not that your ideas aren't that great is that it's probably just a very dimmed version of the original idea because you have gone through a checklist in your mind of all the ways you can make this safe when you bring it out and express it to the community or to whomever you're expressing it to. Mm -hmm. And when you go through an energy fast of any kind, not just mine, anyone can formulate their own energy fast, just a concept I wanted to bring out to the community so that we have some awareness around this. There are some risks. There's some risks because that old life cannot survive through an energy fast. It's it's quite impossible to be the same person, whether it's a three-day energy fast, whether it's a 12-day energy fast, whether it's a 12-week energy fast. The length, I realize, doesn't matter because I've tested it all. I've tested three days. I've tested six weeks. I've tested 12 weeks. It doesn't matter. 
the results are always the same because the brain and body digestion is hungry, mm-hmm. is hungry. So it honestly, I can't, I can't say that, oh my gosh, in three days, you're going to feel this clarity. You may, you absolutely may feel this clarity, but then there's a the choice that comes at the end of that three days. Mm-hmm. Am I going to continue on with this practice based off of everything that I've seen? Or am I going to go back to what's familiar? And going back to, to what's familiar isn't bad or wrong or incorrect. This isn't, this concept doesn't have a binary. It's, it's beyond the binary thinking in, in terms of this is right or wrong, or this is aligned or misaligned. And I don't use that language anymore because, because of that, because the binary is so tight that it doesn't allow the creativity of multidimensionality. Like we're not just having a conversation about energy fasting. We have no idea who's listening to this right now and what they are actually hearing from it. Mm-hmm. We, we, we can't plan for that. We can't control because everyone is so different and so unique. And maybe they're listening to it in the background and they hear out of the thousands, tens of thousands of words spoken, they hear 2000, they hear a couple thousand. And that creates a message for that for them and their specific brain needs. So it's the whole purpose of this, I really feel, was to just kind of disrupt the way that we're nourishing our minds, disrupt the way that we're thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm designed to condition other people on how to think. That's that's in my chart. I have a defined head in Ajna. If anyone listening knows human design um, at all. And there's a responsibility in the conditioning. There's a responsibility that you, that you have to bring to the table when you are conditioning people in any type of center, emotionally, purpose, purpose-driven identity, heart stuff, um, spleen stuff, sacral stuff. So there, there is this higher value system that I really want us to start connecting with, especially in this space, coaching space, spirituality space, because it's very unregulated, anyone can just do anything that they want without really thinking through what and who they're serving on the other side. It's almost like a one size fits all thing. And it's not at all. Right. Yeah. My sister, actually, she's been studying human design. So she did my chart recently and she said, I am an emotional manifesting generator. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that sounds right. So yeah. I have no idea what it means, <laughs> but that's what she's told me. Um, so I want to start breaking that down a little bit more. Maybe you could tell me a little bit more about that if you wanted to talk more about that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so emotional, when she's saying you're an emotional being, she's not saying like, oh, you're so emotional. She's saying that that's your authority. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that you're designed to make decisions is almost not through your emotions. You're supposed to get to this very even killed kind of clarity um, about doing these things. And that clarity takes time. So normally we are in a very rush, rush society. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I, I want to schedule this thing. Can you make it? Can you do this? And you feel that pressure to answer that person right away. But for anyone that has um, emotional authority, they're designed to wait. And uh, it's really important for them to curate people around them that will wait for them. That's Mm -hmm. the most important thing because that pressure is very real to satisfy and um, answer and be loved and be accepted and so many different things. And so 
We answer yes when we really mean no. Then we wake up the next day and we absolutely regret it. We still have to show up anyway. We go into these environments because people are also our environments. Mm-hmm. That's for my friend that I study with. And um, and we're eating. We're eating. We're breaking bread with these people, not physically eating food. I'm talking about information right now. You and I are eating each other's information. Mm-hmm. We're taking in the brain is computing listening, doing so many things by the millisecond that we have no conscious idea about. And we don't even think about it in that way. We just kind of keep chugging along. So of course, burnout happens. Burnout is the natural way of saying, hey, I am completely malnourished. I am dehydrated. I am hungry. I'm not in the correct environment with the right people. You need to get me out of here. And when we don't listen, that turns into illness. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps on going down the line. So for emotional beings, it's really deeply important that they just take their time with moving forward in life because they will burn out. Mm-hmm. Everyone burns out, but they will feel the frustration. The not self of the MG is frustration and anger. And they're going to feel that that's kind of like their uh, flags, their, 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 their signs to say, hey, we totally made this decision very rash very fast. We didn't have a second to feel into it. Um, and they're, they're meant to ask and feel that they can ask the people around them for more time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really important for them to curate their environment of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. That sounds so mm-hmm. much like me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like to feel and kind of think my way through when I make decisions. I don't like making rash decisions if I can avoid it. Mm-hmm. But anyways, this is not to diagnose me. <laughs> but I thought it might be helpful for somebody out there. Who it shares, will. Yeah. The same. It will. I mean, 50% of the population is emotionally defined. So mm-hmm. it absolutely is helpful. So how does energy fasting pertain to our everyday life, Jazz? Mm, yeah. I mean, right now, absolutely. Right this moment, someone's listening to this podcast, listening to our voices. And if they are listening because they are searching for something or they're seeking for something, those energies seeking, searching, they're hungry. That's the energy of hunger, Mm -hmm. right? You open the fridge and you're just kind of like rummaging through the the fridge, rummaging through the cupboards, just trying to find a snack because you're like, oh my God, my blood pressure has dropped. I just need something sweet. So you grab a cookie. Okay. The cookie is not going to satisfy you. The cookie is going to make you hungrier. Mm -hmm. And the point of all this is to just bring awareness to what we take in. What What are you eating? Is it making you hungrier? Because we are in a space where it feels like self-development is never ending. Mm-hmm. You could just eat forever and ever and ever. But why aren't people walking away from the buffet full? That's what I had to ask myself. Mm-hmm. Why do we keep jumping into program after program after program after program? What are you hungry for? You don't even know. So you're just hoping that as soon as you get onto the other side of this program, the food that you need will be there. And that person will know exactly what to cook for you to be satisfied and satiated. Incorrect. The person doesn't even know that they're hungry. The person putting on the program doesn't know that they are hungry. And it just is a cycle that I literally, I'm just like, I thought the whole point of us being in this space was that 
people would walk away completely free of the necessity of coming back, Mm -hmm. that they would have sovereignty and authority over their lives or decisions, the ways that they want to go. No, it's like a revolving door. And there's nothing wrong with having repeat customers or repeat clients or, but I have an undefined heart in human design. So that essentially means that my life experience, everything I bump into is to learn how to be wise about empowerment Mm. and what authentic empowerment looks like and what inauthentic empowerment looks like. And I feel like we have a very sinister side to the industry that no one really talks about. There's a, there's an inauthenticity of empowerment. It almost is starting to feel like a cash grab. I can make you a coach and then you can make someone else a coach and there's no qualifications, right? There's, there's no one kind of checking in except for testimonials. The fact that you've had clients, people can charge whatever they want. Again, that's heart energy. So we have a lot of people coming into the industry with undefined hearts, feeling worthless, feeling like they don't belong, feeling like they're not valuable. So they try to pay their way to that feeling of worthiness and value. And it will always be a never ending cycle. Like when will they ever be fully empowered to say, I've taught you everything that I have learned in my experience. And now I want you to trust your experience and alchemize them into wisdom because wisdom means that when that experience comes again, you'll know how to act on it. You won't need me. And if we really follow that, the whole coaching industry would self-destruct. It wouldn't, it would cease to exist. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a lot of, (laughs) that would be a a lot of, a a lot of us would have to find other ways of, of our expression, which brings us into the multidimensionality of who we are, because we've only ever been taught to be one thing, go to school, major in something, get a job in that thing, have have your job for 30 years in that thing, retire from that thing, get rewarded for being and spending 30 years doing that one thing. Yeah. And the whole point of us having this Aquarian way of communicating, we have the internet, we have, man, you can send someone, we could add people to this call right now if we wanted to. Like, that was not a thing 20, 30, 10, even 10 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we have more information. We have more food than we've ever had. We have easier access to the food than we've ever had in our lives. And we're more malnourished than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. We don't know which way to go. Mm -hmm. Everyone's feeling lost and depressed, especially with two years of isolation, quarantine, and the pandemic. It just has gotten worse and worse and worse. And I just had to ask myself, it's like, I understand that there's good, beautiful work being done in this industry and transformation and awareness and awakenings and all these amazing things. And still it's a multi-billion dollar industry that thrives off of the lack of Mm self-worth. So true. And whenever, whenever we have something whose seed is not authentic, it will always bear fruits of inauthenticity, no matter how hard we try to fight it. It's it's already been sown. So right. now it's like, how do we get to the root of the thing? Right. How do we get to the bottom of the thing right. and not just keep slapping band-aids on it because it, it, it won't go away. 
Yeah. It won't go away because I fell into that same trap too. I've spent tens and thousands of dollars on programs, on coaches that have told me that if I do it this way, I can have this thing. And if they do it the way that they found it, and I, then I can have what they have. And, oh, it's so luxurious to have this life. And, and I used to sell like that. Mm-hmm. I used to do ever because that's the way it was done. Right. And as humans, you only just do what has been done. Right. Right. But no one's having these conversations. No, no one's saying, oh, you know what? There, there could be something kind of weird here. Let's see. Let's let's try to attune or retune these guitar strings that are right. out of attunement and right. see what kind of harmonic sounds we can create. Because I'm not saying that the coaching industry is bad. I'm not saying anything like that at all. I've learned so much about myself, but the biggest thing I've learned about myself is that I already have the answers. Exactly. I spent tens and thousands of dollars learning that. Yeah, that's so true. And like, even as a nutritionist, just, you know, the way that I counsel my clients and work with my clients, you know, one of the first things I like to work on is their mindset. Because people mm-hmm. want like, okay, they'll come to me. Like, I just give me the, give me the fat burning recipe. Give me the kale salad recipe. I want to drop 20 pounds. I got this wedding to go to. Let's do this. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 honey. We got to dial it back a little bit. We have to address mm-hmm. the foundation. And that is yes. your mindset. And it starts yes. with asking that question. Like, what is it that you're really hungry for? Cause it's yes. not the cookie. Okay. The mm-hmm. cookie, that's the symptom. But what is it that you're really hungry for? What is that cookie giving to you? Are you what is what is it that you think the cookie is giving to you? What is it that you think yes. the, the cookie is actually feeding? Yeah. Because it's not really that you want the cookie. It, it's you want Absolutely. you want something that's going to you want to basically address the craving in a different way. You want to address something that's unmet in your life. Right. So that's why I always like to start with that foundational piece for sure. And I even think like as coaches and, you know, healers or wellness professionals, you know, whatever we want to call ourselves, we also have to look at it that way as well. Like, why are we actually getting into this industry? Why is it that we actually want to help people? Is it like you said, do we want to help people to feed our ego or is it, do we want to help people for a completely different reason altogether? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we Do also we have to help. ask ourselves these questions as, you know, coaches. And as, uh, exactly. And well, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the responsibility of you conditioning someone when someone right. comes into your space. I mean, they're leaving everything they know and they're putting their full trust, resources, money, time, energy into you. Absolutely. And so in a way, they see you as their God, as their savior, as the person that's going to take them, take their pain away, take their suffering away. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not really paying attention, you will get swallowed by that energy Mm -hmm. and you will begin to think that you are the savior and you will begin to think that my clients cannot do anything without the wisdom that I acquire. And when we do not hold other people as powerful, they feel that Mm -hmm. and they themselves continue to live into that embodiment that they aren't powerful. And they can't Mm -hmm. figure it out on their own Mm -hmm. and they can't get to where they want to go to. So when someone comes and they say, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds for a wedding. The question is really, what do you feel that you'll gain from being 20 pounds lighter at that specific wedding? Why is the wedding the trigger to now do this? Are you going to see your ex there? Are you going to see your family there? Have they always belittled belittled you and talked down to you? And you want to kind of show them again, it's always at the root of the ego. Mm -hmm. And the ego isn't bad. The ego is actually a wonderful part of us. It's Mm -hmm. just dimmed. It's just been pushed into the corner. 
and it throws tantrums. And so then everyone mm-hmm. rallies around and says, let's kill the ego. And it's like, if you killed the ego, you would kill the main part of you that desires to express. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't really be helpful. The ego mm-hmm. is the individualized part of you. The ego is the ego. Alan Watts always says the ego is the reason why we can go to dinner and I feed myself and you feed yourself and I don't feed you. <laughs> That's what the ego is doing. So if we didn't have any ego, we would be all one. Right. But we all decided to come here as individualized particles of a unified creation to experience what it means to be multidimensional right. within our own experience. Mm-hmm. So there is absolutely no need to kill the ego. It's just allowing the ego to talk. We're not going to make a decision based off of what it's saying. We're just allowing it to express. But because we are so suppressing our own creation, mm-hmm. of course, we have nothing. We have no other way than to inadvertently suppress another person's expression, whether that's our clients, whether that's our family, our partners. I remember I was in a coaching group and the only way that you could talk to the person that was putting on the coaching group is if you followed the step-by-step method, because if you didn't follow the step-by-step method, then she could not guarantee results. And if it, and if you didn't follow the step-by-step method, then there was no need for you to talk to her one-on-one once you've finished your launch. And it was in that moment, maybe this was about, so it's November, I want to say around January, February, February. So almost, almost 10 months ago, it was in that moment I realized, oh, okay, there's something off here. Yeah. That I don't have the freedom and you're not encouraging that sovereignty within me because you don't think that I can do it any other way. Exactly. You don't think that I can find success any other way. And that's when I begin to ponder this. I'm just thinking about that for a moment. (laughs) It's it's deep. It's so deep because I didn't realize that I was already in so many programs before that. But it was that specific moment that I thought, oh my God. Okay. This is, this is a highly recognized person has made a lot of money in this industry. People trust and respect them. People trust and respect their work and they don't even see this. So how many other people don't see it within themselves? Mm. Mm. So interesting. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a system or a method, Mm -hmm. but there still still should be an opportunity for someone to ask questions outside of that system because that system might not work step-by-step for everybody, right? Absolutely. But but think about it this way. Our society is built on the back of the religious system. Mm. So from birth, we're indoctrinated and we're breathing in that air. It doesn't matter what religion you adhere to. It's the indoctrination, the propaganda of that system, which is don't ask questions outside Mm -hmm. of what has been given. Mm -hmm. Then we go to school. You don't ask questions outside of what's been taught. You go to a job. You don't ask questions outside of what you've been told. So every single relationship, every single experience is carrying the seed of that energy. Mm-hmm. And we don't even see it. Right. <laughs> you are so right, Jess. You just brought me back because I grew mm. up in a pretty strict religion. I don't necessarily follow it anymore, but 
you know, growing up, like I always had questions, like they would teach us certain things or certain principles and I would have questions and I'd always be silenced. Like, oh, don't worry about that. Like, you know, just, just focus on what we taught you. Don't, don't ask questions outside of the curriculum or whatever it is that you want to call it. And I Mm -hmm. always like questioned why, like, it's a valid question. Like, why can't you just answer my questions? And you know that why that it's rooted in religion. When you say it's rooted in religion, I'm like, you're absolutely correct. It's it's it actually goes further back than religion because you know religion is very young. It's 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 I mean it's only a couple thousand years old. I mean, it was a way, a substructure for the government at the time to rule over the people, to scare them by using this omnipotent present God calling it God and saying, these are the things. And God told me this, and God told me to kill these people. God told me to war against these people. And, and you should join my side because if you don't join my side, then you're not going to be safe. But it goes way back, way, way further than that. I mean, we're talking about um, just the beginning of man and survival. Asking questions almost always had a higher risk of not surviving than just sticking to what has worked. So Mm -hmm. even if that means your dream relationship is on the other side of the relationship that you're currently in, it doesn't matter. You're going to stay in your current relationship because the risk of it not being on the other side is too high. Right. That's what the brain is saying. The brain Mm -hmm. is saying the risk is too high. Yeah, because your brain is trying to protect you. It's all it's, it's just trying, trying to, to protect you. Right. It's trying right. to protect you, but it's not in control. You are. Right. It's not in control. You are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so when the brain is malnourished, what does it do? It gets louder. It throws a tantrum. It says, go and get me this thing. I'm hungry. Follow this person. Sign up for this course. We're hungry. We're going to die if you don't feed us. Just being extra dramatic. And what do you do? You're like, oh, my God, my brain is hungry. Let me go ahead and join that, that, that thing, that group, that whatever, because you don't understand how to nourish yourself. You don't understand what the brain is needing. And we probably kind of experimented with this when we were younger because we were more inhi- uninhibited, but that was most likely shut down by your caretakers if it didn't go or coincide with what they've already taught you, kind of like what you were saying. So I was very selective as a child. Like I said earlier, my digestion type in human design is selective. It's closed taste. And it's meant to be very picky, very selective. And I was very selective as a child. And my mom would tell me stories about how I would not eat for three days at a time because she didn't have the right butter in the house. She bought margarine. I don't eat margarine. I ate a very specific type of brand butter. <laughs> and, and as a child, she allowed me to express in this way. But the older I got and the more selective I grew, it became almost a problem. Like, why can't you just accept what we're giving you? Why can't you just accept what the world is giving you? Why can't you just accept what you've been given? Just be grateful for it. Stop asking for more. Stop. And it's like, I wasn't asking for more. I was asking for what was correct for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So my son is thirst. He's a, he's a thirst appetite. I'm sorry, a thirst um, determination. So for him, all he wants to do is learn read books, watch his YouTube ABC videos, 
like talk about ABC videos, uh, play with ABC toys. That's thirst. That literally means his brain is thirsty for knowledge. He has a high intensity to constantly be in that learning mode. And when you take that away from him, he feels hungry. He's bored. He goes in like he just poking into everything, breaking things. My daughter, so different. She's high sound. So for her, it's all about the acoustics, but also she asks why about everything, a high volume of information. She needs a high volume of information. So she's always asking why, why don't you know, mom, how can we find out? What do we need to know? How can we find it? What books do we need to buy? Where did you buy that? Did you buy that here? Did you buy that online? Just constantly ask. And if I didn't know that about her, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're driving me crazy. Why are you asking me so many questions? <laughs> and sometimes I feel like that internally, but I don't express that to her because I know that that's her brain is looking for food. Mm-hmm. Her brain is, and, and she's so uninhibited by the world. And she's only three years old, hasn't been conditioned much. And so she's doing her natural thing. So we've always been all doing our natural thing until we weren't. And energy fasting is a way to get back to that natural appetite, that natural way of communing with the information that you're taking in so that you can feel that satiate, that satiated feeling. I haven't felt the need to jump into any type of group, work with any type of coach, listen to any type of podcast, follow anyone in months because of this. Mm. If I have, I have, I have my trusted environment people that I go to and I say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Can you, I I say, can you hold up the ladder for me? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And they hold it up and I talk about the thing that I'm thinking about and they give me some feedback and I say, okay, thank you so much. And I'm going to sit with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not easy. It's a lot easier to just go to the person and get the answer for sure. And it, Mm -hmm. and probably requires a little bit more time and a little bit more mindfulness, I would say meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just an invitation for other people. You don't have to take it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think solitude too, because I find like, if I'm rushing through things, like solutions aren't going to come to me, but if I take that time to just pause and just like solutions come to me more easily, like I hear things more easily. If we just take that time to sit in silence, and a lot of people just don't do that. There's always something on the go. They're listening to a podcast or watching TV. They're on Clubhouse. They're, you know, there's always some it's sort scary. of scary. Yeah. Yeah. You're it's you're scary because your mind a chance or your brain a chance just to have that break and just just allow, right? What would what would happen? My question is what would happen? And it would be really scary at first. Just to, to mm-hmm. see and meet just you. And to know that your whole life is your whole responsibility. Right. Yeah. That's a lot. Right. So I totally understand. Yeah. So what makes you feel inspired and like your best self, Jazz? Mm. I think the thing that, or rather I know that the thing that makes me feel my best self is time by myself. Mm-hmm. quality time with myself is my number one love language. So mm-hmm. if anyone ever wants to gift me anything, they would just leave me alone. Like, <laughs> I, I, I tell my husband that all the time. Like, if you really love me, you would leave me alone right now. Yeah. Because in that space, the space that I was deathly afraid of, the space that we all are deathly afraid of, that's why we keep ourselves occupied at all hours of the day. 
is the one place that I crave to go the most because now it's the place that I feel the most safe in. Mm-hmm. It's always like that. Right. The thing that we fear the most, as soon as we stand up to it, look it in the eye, it dissipates. And mm-hmm. then what lives behind that is an exalted version of who we are. Mm-hmm. So I'm only able to come on this podcast and talk about these things with you because I feel safe in the space that's quiet. I call it the void space. Mm-hmm. And that's really like, I feel that would be like my legacy work. Like the thing that I would leave behind is the invitation to be courageous enough to enter the void. Mm. Because in the void is what you will leave behind. It's your legacy idea. It's your inspiration. It's your imagination. It's your ideas. It's the book you want to write. It's the podcast you want to start. It's it's everything. The relationship you want to have, the music you want to produce, the movies you want to write everything is in the void space Mm. and we never go there. No, we never go. Yeah. Never. I have some friends that are just afraid to sit in silence. Yeah. Cause I think they're afraid of what's going to come up for them. Right. But again, those are sometimes the things that you actually do need to heal, you know, to hear, Mm -hmm. to heal. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and you don't have to do it alone as well. I think, that was the that was the thing that I learned was I, I'm such a lone person and that's just my design and I feel really good in that space. Um, but also I I realized that when I would talk to other people about this concept, their number one fear was that they didn't have community in this space. Hmm. And what would happen if the person that they met in the void no longer wanted to be in community with the people outside of the void, what would they do? And that's a very real thing, right? You spent elementary school, middle school, high school, college, post-college, maybe all these years with the same friend group. You go into this void space and a new part of you, you meet a new part of you has emerged. You come out and you have no more similarities with these people. Mm. You have to find a new community because you have now discovered a multidimensional part of you mm-hmm. that they have yet to discover. Not that it doesn't exist in them. They just haven't unearthed it yet. So what do you do? Right. So that was the biggest kind of ask that I received was to create a space for that, which I did and which I loved so much and which I, I, I feel that I will continue to do. I've just been taking a break from it because it is, it takes a, lo- a lot of energy to, um, to curate and facilitate a space, especially one that you're not teaching in. Like right. I'm not teaching in that space. I'm literally just facilitating the space for people to practice being in the void, to practice Mm -hmm. being in silence, to practice feeling their body, to practice holding the ideas that come to them, not being so quick to throw them away, not being so quick to judge them, but to hold them. Mm -hmm. What would happen if the next glorious idea that you had, you just held it? Mm -hmm. Oh, the pain, the things that would come up from you just hold, who am I to think this? Who am I to think that I could write this book? Who am I to think that this is a great idea? Who would I tell? Who would actually buy this thing? This, this is all happening as you're just, you're just holding mm-hmm. this idea. You haven't done anything with it. You haven't executed it. You haven't brought it into existence. 
these are the, these are the feelings that come with literally just holding yourself. Mm. And we don't really do that because we would rather pay someone else to hold us. Yes. And in that space, I'm not holding you. I'm holding the space for you to hold yourself. And it, it is, it's, it's a different type of facilitation that I'm hoping that we can continue this conversation um, in the coaching industry, in the wellness industry, so that it doesn't continue on with the storyline of guru disciple, because mm-hmm. guru disciple was a very old paradigm, right? You have this teacher you learn from, you have this mentor you learn from, and they're always above you. Right. But when do you ever get to feel what it feels like to be whole enough to express what you're learning mm-hmm. out of not always hiding out of the fear of, did I get it wrong? Will I get it wrong? Mm-hmm. If the teacher was a true teacher, if the guru was a true guru, all they would do was al- would be allow you to be in their presence so that you could facilitate your own discipleship. Mm-hmm not for them to be the teacher. So humans are just a very, we're just very hierarchical creatures. That's how we find safety. We appoint people, mm-hmm. they rule over us. And because now our lives are in their hands, we have someone to blame, but we're moving into a, into a generation, into a time space that that's not going to allow us to thrive anymore. That paradigm isn't going to allow us to thrive anymore. We're going to have to be individualized sovereign beings that exist in a synarchy instead of a hierarchy. A synarchy means that everyone is doing exactly what they need to do in order for the collective to work as a whole. Mm-hmm. Hierarchy is one or two where a few people are doing things at the top and everyone else at the bottom is just kind of benefiting or sometimes not benefiting from what the people at the top are doing. So right. it's, it's going to be a thick we're going to have a thick transition. We're already in it. We're already mm-hmm. starting to feel it. I mean, we've been feeling it for years, but it's, it's, it's coming. It's here already. Yeah. I love that. So Jazz, I'm going to ask you a question. And I love asking everybody that comes on my podcast this question because everybody yeah. has a different answer. That's all across the board. What <laughs> is your favorite way to take care of your mind and mm. your body? Mm. My favorite way to take care of my mind. I love the feeling of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Like it just puts my body in a place of ease. So I do a lot of things that I did when I was younger and I never really understood why I always did this. I thought, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe it's just a patterning or maybe it's just a, and the more that I began to watch myself doing the thing, watching the movies, that I used to watch when I was a kid or listening to the music that I used to listen to when I was a kid, it like, there's a sense of safety in that feeling of Mm -hmm. nostalgia that stops my brain from overthinking. So anytime that I'm, I, I get on these bouts of overthinking and I can't shut my brain off, I will go and do something that has the essence of nostalgia. And I grew up in the nineties. So it's like all things nineties, all uh, TV 90 and all movies 90s and and it it just it's such a weird thing it just like shuts the brain down it just calms the brain it's like you don't have to think about those things they're not important right now and for my body I just use strategy and authority I, I literally don't even think about my body I just I know my authority is it a yes or a no it's a no and I just keep moving I don't 
I, that's been four years of practicing my strategy, my, my strategy and authority that it's now just ingrained in my body. I don't go to th- things I don't want to go to. I don't do things I don't want to do. I'm very selective in that way. And sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. But also, I like to think that it invites them into them not thinking that they have to do something that they don't want to do. Right. Because that's all we're really looking for is examples in one another of, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's so amazing that you did that thing. I really want to do that thing. Thank you for inspiring me and showing me that I have the capacity to do that thing. They may not say this all in, in, in all these words. They could probably right. say words that are probably not as nice, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that that's the feeling that they have is um, this person is taking dominion over their life. And I too can do that as well. So those are the two things for me. I'm like a super chill, mellow person. Like I, I love to laugh. I love having a good time. I love being around good people. Love having good conversations. Like for me, it's all about feeling. So I think mm-hmm. my mind and my body are always on the lookout for a, a it's just a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. And I know when I've hit that feeling, it just everything feels correct and right and in alignment and um just me. Feels like me. Yeah. Feels like me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm big on feeling as well. Like I agree with you 110%. And I was actually just talking to my husband about this and we were debating whether or not we were going to go away and go on a vacation or you know buy mm-hmm. something else. And it was like, I would much rather have the experience mm-hmm. and the feeling than just a mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Same. No? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I love that. And I love how you talk about nostalgia as well, because sometimes I find myself listening to like old songs that I used to listen to, like back in the day when I, you know, hung out with my girlfriends. And I just <laughs> love that. There's nothing like that feeling. Yes. of nostalgia. It just, it just yes. washes over you. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty incredible. It is. It really is. Yeah. That would be like my number one tip for everyone, whatever that nostalgia feeling is for you do more of that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it's something that I've felt, but I've never really taken the time to actually really think about how it makes me feel. Right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I feel like I can talk to you for two hours. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like looking, I'm like, Oh my God, it's already been an hour. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. So if someone wanted to do energy fasting with you and if they yeah. wanted to learn how to enter the void and, and all of those, yeah. amazing, you know, healing things, is that something that you do with people one-on-one or a group or how would that work? Cause I know you're in yeah. incredible. Yes. So I don't do them one-on-one. We have done them in groups already. And I'm such an experimenter. I've just been like experimenting with the different ways, how many people in a group, how long the group is, and just really refining that. If anyone would actually, you know, they heard everything and they're like, oh my gosh, I really want to do this. If they just want to send me a message and I will send them um, a link to the last live energy fasting we did um and they can purchase that package if they are really like oh my gosh i really want to do this but i personally love doing things live i love kind of that one and done feeling of getting a group together going through it together and just being complete for that season and i'm very a seasonal person as well so i'm i'm not a person that launches a lot you kind of have to like 
follow along to see when I'm launching. It just is a feeling again. It's like, when I get the feeling, it's time to do the thing. I never can calculate when that feeling is. And I always say my, my Instagram and my life is very much a tornado. I I don't really know what's going on. I'm just kind of in it for the ride. But if you are super interested, please just reach out and, um, and I will do my best to support you in that way. Because really my dream is to share what my practice of energy fasting is, how I came to it, set you up in a way for you to practice your own version. Hmm. Amazing. That's the, that's the, that, yeah, that, that's the whole thing because there's, you, you're not me. You never will be me. So what has worked for me a hundred percent may only work 80% for you. And then you have to go and fill in the last 20% with your own idiosyncrasies, your own uniqueness, your own, the kind of music that you like to do the breath work to, the kind of music that you like to do the embodiment practice to, the the, the journal that you like to use, the, the pace of asking the questions that you like to go at. All that stuff is refined. And, and really what I want to express is the, the glory and the, just the fascination with individuality. Like we don't get celebrated that enough that I like this and you like that. It's always like, why don't you like this? Right. What's wrong with you? What? Yeah. yeah. What's what was wrong with you that you don't like that as opposed right. to, oh, I could see that. That's a cool idea. And I, and I like this thing, but I'm not pushing you to like what I like. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, that's a deeper unlearning because that turns into the people pleasing that yeah. turns into Let's just follow this one person. It doesn't matter what we think. Let's just do what they think. Yeah. And it just goes right back to that safety. I feel safer when I don't have to think for myself. I feel safer when I don't have to heal myself. I feel safer when I don't have to take full responsibility for my abundance and my prosperity, my business and my relationships, the way I make decisions, the way I nourish myself. I feel safer when I don't have to do those things, but you don't actually, you've just been taught to feel safer so that other people could take over you. Mm, they could part. overpower you. Yeah. Right. Oh, Jazz, this was, I know. this was incredible. <laughs> this was so good. Uh, again, I'm so glad that you could stop by and be on the show and I'm going to make sure mm-hmm. I link up all of your information in the show notes. Cause I know people are going to want to reach out to you and follow you and jump on your lives and do all the things. So I'll definitely mm-hmm. make sure I put all of your um, information in the show notes, but Jazz, I want to thank you so much um, for stopping by with us, for sharing your knowledge with us, your expertise, just like your energy. Thank you, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to thank have you, you on the show. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.